fans, welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to our presented to you by our friends at by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code when you sign up. And by of course, our promo code being CHGO. I am Mark K from Australia, just clearly on on fire this morning. What time is it there, Mark? Is it early? It's 8.30 a.m. I'm thrown by this freaking dog in the background that's barking, so apologies. I'm just not on my game at the moment, but uh, I am joined, as always, by the most beautiful beat writer in the universe, not just the world, the universe, William Gottlieb. How are you, sir? It just it gets more extreme every time. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Um, I am trying to... I'm in the process of rationalizing and coming to terms with where the bulls are in the world, in the universe, where they stand and the play in and beyond. And I'm excited to talk it out with you because I feel like I will be a little bit more objective and level-headed about it in in the next hour. You think? Yeah, yeah I won't push you over the edge even more. I'm, I just got done re- re- reading your uh, your your article from from last night or this morning on on the website or CHGO to uh, follow all of Williams' musings. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit more. Obviously, we're going to talk about the fact that there's only two more games left in the season. If there's anything left to learn from this season, if there's anything left to glean, I mean, there's two games in the regular season, but we know that there's a playing game coming up. The Bulls look like they're locked into 10th, probably going to be playing the Raptors in a 9-10 clash. So that'll be interesting to see. Maybe there's only three games left in the season. Who knows? But uh, we'll be talking about that. We'll, we'll be uh, referencing the uh, the article that you sort of touched on there, um, getting into that in a little bit more detail because I think it's a fascinating conversation. And I wanted to close out the show by diving more into some of the CBA changes. That's probably been the most exciting thing of my week, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if anyone else cares about the CBA stuff, but uh, I certainly do. And it does or it will have an impact to the Bulls going forward, uh, interestingly. So uh, we'll see how we get through all these topics, how we hit on that, but that's all obviously the plan. We are also joined by uh, a man who just loves an eggplant parmesan. So Laura on the draw on the on, on the buttons today. There he is. God, uh, what, what an intro. Man. A man yeah. who just loves an eggplant parmesan. Yes, but where from... <laughs> Lascarola, you know, and I forgot the name of the joint, but uh, who's yeah. the vegetarian that didn't order what I told him to order? It would be that guy up there. My ravioli was beautiful, so I'm uh... sure it was delicious. <laughs> but still um, under that that chicken parm, I need my athletic greens this morning. There you go. All right, thanks, guys. Well, uh, save that uh, save that read for a little bit later because we've got we've got our friends or a note from our friends at Athletic Greens coming up a little bit later. But um, William, let's dive into it. Let's let's first let's start with the last two games anyway. We'll, we'll work our way from there. When I definitely want to get on that um that article you you wrote yesterday because it's a good one. But let's start. Bulls are locked into tenth, as I said. There's two games left. Very high level question, I guess. But is there anything left to learn from this very maddening, frustrating, sometimes okay, sometimes fun season, but more often not very painful and very uh, stressful season? Is there anything left to learn in these final couple games and maybe even the playing game? I think resolve is probably the one thing that I can say that I'm curious about. Like we've seen it at times where like the last two games, for example, they just rolled over and the game was over as soon as the tip. There have also been times where, you know, the Grizzlies game where you're down 21 and then you or maybe 23 and then you win by 21 because of how well you play defense and how you stick to the game plan and how you just like chip away, chip away and continue to like believe in the process behind what you're doing. And 
this last week or so has reminded me a lot more of the first half bulls than the post all-star bulls. And so I'm curious to see, because I think we can all agree that they've played a lot better since the all-star break. But the question for me is like, can they continue to um, recover and, and withstand these sort of runs and can they be resilient and can they bounce back from these two really bad losses that they've just had and actually get through the playing tournament and maybe get back to the playoffs. So I think that's the one thing as far as bigger picture, you know, we we've seen the stat, you know, going around Twitter as far as Vooch, Zach Levine and Damar playing the most minutes of any three man combination in the league and being minus 16, I think it is on the season. Like we kind of know what the team is. We know that there needs to be some changes this summer, but um, I think, can they put it together to just not get, you know, not roll over in the playoffs the way that they have at times throughout the course of this year and really throughout the course of this, um, this core playing together. Yeah. And look, that's the oddity of the last few games because let's go back three games ago against the Grizzlies, the Bulls played a really bad first half, but then to your point, like they showed that resolve and had that amazing turnaround in that second half to the point where maybe they've played their best half of basketball in, I don't even know how long, like years I would imagine. So like they in that specific game, which was only a couple games ago, like they showed exactly what you're talking about. And that more generally has been the ethos of the team since Pat Bever has arrived. And if you want to ascribe that the Pat Bev effect to anything, like that's what I would would probably point to first. The fact that they have been more resilient, they've been a little bit more tougher, they've been more engaged, more locked in. And even when they get down, they were more inclined to uh what's the name? Like sustain, I suppose. But over the last two games, particularly the game against the Hawks, who were missing two starters, no Trey. After that game, what, what, did, what was Zach's quote? That, that the Hawks wanted it more? Like, how, how can that be the case after what you've sort of shown us in the previous 20 games where you have shown that you can compete and get back in games and get, you back, get yourself back into this position where you are getting into the plane and we were all starting to buy you back in maybe a little too much. But yeah, how, how do you just go from what they were, had become to seemingly stepping back to what they had been previously. That, that's the confusing part. And then as we saw yesterday against the box, again, down two starters. Uh, it, it could have easily been a W if, if you just got some average performances from DeRozan and Levine, but they just couldn't do it. So they're, they're, they're in this maddening situation again where they're sort of floating through, you know, being that being that new team that we liked, in, liked seeing, that, in, that really enjoyful team that we like seeing. To seeing what we what we're seeing now, which is like to your point, like the team that we saw in the first 50, 60 games of the season, and that's not how we want to be entering in the playing situation. Which is like, okay, now you're locked into tenth. You got the Mavericks coming up tomorrow on Friday night. You close the season against the Detroit Pistons. Like, there's nothing really left to, I don't know, to get from the the final two games from my point of view. But I don't know. I guess the the only path that I can paint from this, I guess, is maybe the young guys get some some run here going into into these final two games because it seems like Demar and Zach are going to be sitting against the against the Mavericks on Friday night. Caruso is likely to do so as well. Uh, the Mavericks are still with within the playing hunt on the West, so they will be playing Luca. They will be playing Kyrie. So maybe like Kobe starts, maybe Pat starts. Maybe these guys get a, a run against actual good, credible starters in, against an opposition team who's trying to win games. Maybe that is something good. <laughs> well, just uh, before we move on to the Mavs and the rest of the season, yeah. you something you said, I think, 
was interesting, which is like, you know, what have we really figured out about the second half team in comparison to the first half? And, you know, the difference between sort of rolling over and at least having some resilience that they've shown over the second half. And I think when you said that, it just kind of made me think that they're sort of the same version of that team, but just with a little bit more talent. When you have a guy like Patrick Beverly who can push IO into a bench role, when you start your best player at power forward, which is Alex Caruso and push Patrick Williams to a bench role, the talent gets upgraded. The players fit into their spots a little bit more, but at the end of the day, they are still who they are. And they are is like a team that's a little bit better, but it still has that DNA from the first half. And I think that's where that they wanted it more than us quote from Zach after the Hawks game comes into play where it's like, yeah, things have changed, but like, have they really changed? Because we're still seeing the same bulls. Yes. They've had a better stretch here, but they had a eight and three stretch at one point after the Timberwolves lost where they gave up 150. They've also had seven game losing streaks. Like this, this team just is what it is at this point. I think the record is more reflective of who they are now than it was when they were seven games below 500, but they're still a sub 500 team. And this is the kind of thing that happens when you're the 10th best team in your conference and you're below 500, even if the talent is there, like that doesn't always matter because the record is, you know, the record says who you are and these games that they've really needed to win against teams like the Raptors right after the all-star break, like this one against the Hawks, like those are must win games and they couldn't do it. I think that is so more than like, what can we learn from these upcoming games? I think, Yes, they've had a better stretch here, but what I've taken away from these past few weeks is that they're sort of a better version of the same team with the same flaws. I mean, all fair, all fair, but maybe I just bought too much into the uh, into the Pat Bev effect. I was too Pat Bev. Yeah, you got a Pat Bev jersey hanging behind you. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. uh, Let's let's pretend. You're a Pat Bev pilled. Pat Bev pilled. But unfortunately, um, yeah, maybe you're just overdosed on, on the, uh, the Pat Bev effect there. What the hell is that? What thing is going behind? on on your screen? Is that a real dog? I have that scared the shit out of me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thought that you know you were worried about a dog. I just figured I'd put it on screen for you. He's got that dog that, in him. Is that a dingo? What the hell is that? Bloody hell, mate! Don't do that. That scared the shit out of me. Anyways. That's a big uh, look at that, that production extraordinaire, Lawrence. Just the production uh, value just goes through the roof when Joey's not with us. I gotta uh, say, people, uh, come on now, look at all these beautiful things Joey's made for you. He's made Guna the Night, he's made Meathead Hours. I mean, there's all kinds of random things. Uh, scoop it, dump it, shake it. Come on, you look at all these fun things, just random things that are in our show. You know, we it's all good here. Joey's the best. That's good. If people are listening, uh, via audio, uh, and they're confused. Come back until about the eleven minute mark of this episode, because uh, that was that was strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> strange. Do you, do you want it the threw. dingo back or not back? Because I could maybe the later. Maybe bring the dingo back later. Okay. Surprise him. Dingo list. Surprise him with it. <laughs> what the hell were we talking about? Pre dingo. We were talking about. You were, you were replying to my stance that the Bulls were just sort of a more talented, more well constructed version of the same old Bulls. Yeah, look, I, I 
and look, maybe I'm prone to doing this and because we had 60 games of just absolute trash or 50 games of absolute trash and the, the, the first sight of something that looked like reasonable basketball, maybe I just uh, fell victim to that because I was just um, lamenting so much of those 15, those, those first 50 games that any side of good basketball, um, I was just immediately in. But maybe the fact that that sort of coincided with me being in Chicago and that whole thing and just you know, just being alight with the whole the whole concept of what the Bulls were being at that stage. Maybe I felt too hard, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe that that's on me. Maybe that's on some of the fan base as well in terms of just falling too hard into that Pat Bev effect. But I, I just thought they were past this level of nonsense. Like like we saw it. Like I said, we, they played a really good game against the Grizzlies, whereby they got down, they showed that resolve, and they got back into it. Now that was unsustainable in, in, in the sense of how they were shooting and those sorts of things, but it's less, less the result, but more so the process. Whereas that process just completely disappeared uh, on, on, on what was it Tuesday night against Atlanta. Like that was arguably the biggest game of the season. And in the biggest game of the season, they reverted back to, to the same old nonsense. Like I, I did, I did think or thought that that sort of stuff was gone. I man, look clearly I was wrong. Um, but I just assumed that level of nonsense was gone. But for whatever reason, it's not, William. So we are where we are. Yeah, and I, I didn't want to believe it either. But, like, I think the evidence at this point is kind of overwhelming. Like, you've had some of these games where, you know, you have had really good wins. Like the Brooklyn win coming right out of the break. They won by, like, 44. That's a yeah. great win. And then you beat Washington at the time. That was a really important game because the Wizards were – I believe the Wizards were 10 and the Bulls were 11 or 11 and 12 or something like that. Um, and then you go into another one of these games against Toronto in Toronto, which is a difficult place to play and you lose. It was a tough game, but like that's a game you kind of have to have. And then this win against Detroit, they were up 20 all game and then they blew the lead and they ended up winning after Jaden Ivey called the timeout when they didn't have any, mm -hmm. uh, they lost to the Pacers again. Like, yes, they beat the Nuggets, who at the time were kind of on a skid. The next game, they were down against the Rockets for the majority and then came back and won. But, like, we still have seen a lot of this fluctuation. They almost lost to the Timberwolves mm. when Anthony Edwards wasn't there. Yeah. They have played well against Miami and Philly, but then they also lost against the 76ers the next game. They played great against the Lakers when LeBron was kind of coming back from this injury, didn't really look like himself. Then they get smoked by the clippers and the lakers again so then then you have the memphis game where it looks like the same thing's happening but then the second half the flip switches like i just don't think that this team is like I mean, we've kind of gone through the narrative over and over like this is the one thing that billy talks about nonstop, which is like the consistency aspect of it and, and that's absolutely true that they're not consistent you don't know like I think a lot of times these numbers over the course of a season will average out to be what they are, right? Like the Bulls last year were a yeah. couple games above 500. This year they're mm -hmm. going to be a couple games below 500. On average, that's where you end up. But the peaks and valleys are so extreme that it's really hard to like pinpoint how good this team actually is. And that that's where I'm at right now with them is like how how good is this team? You lose to the two teams that you could potentially face in this play-in tournament. We can kind of get into that here, but like what, what gives you hope uh, other than just like the fact that they have at points played a lot better that they could beat those teams given the way that they've played against them post all-star break when they have been playing their best ball. 
Well, look, I, I thought it was going to be a tale of the two of two seasons, just as it was last season. Like, obviously, the, like I said, the first 50 games of, of this season, I was sort of casting that away, assuming that that was one set of Chicago Bulls and one iteration of the Bulls. And I figured that based on what the metrics were telling us of this team, yeah, there were some bad losses, as you noted in there, uh, during the, the, the start of this heavy era, if we want to call it that. Um, but there were some some tremendous wins. The, the team more generally was functioning at an extremely elite level on, on, on defense, which maybe that was unsustainable. And maybe, uh, you know, they're not as good as the, the first ranked defense in the NBA through that stretch. But obviously, they've come down since. But I just thought we we could, you know, just cut up this season, chalk it up in two different ways. And yes, averages will be averages and all that sort of stuff. I completely agree. But I didn't expect them to revert back to who they were pre-Pat Bev post Pat Bev and I'm not saying that it's all Pat Bev I'm just that's the line of demarcation just for me because I just assumed things were changing and to be fair I assumed all that stuff because the numbers were changing their play had changed uh, yeah the there were some bad annoying losses in there but, but like uh, I think the one pushback I have there too is like even at the end of last year first of all at the beginning of last season mm-hmm. we could all agree that like the the numbers and the record wasn't necessarily indicative of how good they were the second half, I think it was the opposite. They went, I think, 8-15 and 15 to yep. finish out the year. They weren't as bad as we kind of thought they were. But they also had those moments. Like the, the one that comes to mind is DeMar scoring 50 against the Clippers at home and having one more of those clutch, heroic DeMar games. Like those things can still happen during a stretch where you aren't playing as good. I think the same is true where you can have really good games over a stretch where you're not playing as good or have bad okay. stretches when you are playing well. All fair, but um, Demond, our guy Demond in the comments, he, he notes people bought into the Pat Bev effect and he's uh, a few laughing emojis there. Well, Demond, when you're someone like me who has an all or nothing personality and uh, you're prone to binging, let's say, I was all in on Pat Bev. I wanted to believe in the Pat Bev effect and maybe, maybe the good is still to come around. Maybe the Pat Bev effect is just lulling us into a state of insecurity here. We're going to finish these last two games on a, on a bit of a lull. Then the plane hits. Dude, and then that's when Pat, Pat Bev. Come on, playing Pat, you know, he rises. Exactly. Level, We're going to get that dub against the Raptors. We're going to go into yeah. the Hawks building or the Heat building, whoever it's, it's going to be. We're going to take them down. And then we're going to get back to the playoffs just to get absolutely slaughtered by the Milwaukee Bucks yet again. But I believe that the Pat Bev effect is still real, folks. So uh, we've got two more games to believe in the Pat Bev effect, but uh, maybe I'm just being a uh, complete dope. So that's highly, highly probable. But um, yeah, I guess the the, the the ultimate takeaway here, William, is uh, there's nothing really left to learn from the final two games this season. The team is what it is. It is maddening. It is frustrating. They can be great. They can be terrible, as we've sort of witnessed over the last three games. We, you get it all, basically, with this basketball team, which is uh, the frustration. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about that, as well as your article, as I mentioned before, that the fact that is the play-in tournament actually a good thing, a good concept? Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that. I certainly do, too. We'll dive into that a little bit more in, uh, in a little bit more detail. But first, William, can I tell you about my favorite, favorite beer company, Goose Island? Please do. Our favorite oh. spot to go have a beer. Oh, there's that goose. I'm, hopefully people... Better than the like dingoes. <laughs> All the animals. It's Noah's Ark here on CHDO Balls. There's our dingo, and here is our friends at Goose Island Beer. Uh, this place, I wish... Goose used to used to come out to Australia. They used to have beer. Uh, used to send, a, export their beer out to Australia. I'm not sure if they still do, but um, Goose Island, if, our friends over there, if you, if you are... 
if you're having plans of doing, can you, can you please do so? Because I just want to get my hands on some of that sweet, sweet Matilda again. That Belgian ale was beautiful. If not the if not the Matilda, then I'm more than happy to have you know a three one two or I'll, I'll try anything at this stage. I'm I'm just so deprived of my Goose Island beer at this stage that I will have anything these guys will send me. Whether it's you know the the Black Hawks Pale Ale, the Bull City Three One Two, that limited release edition. Um, I'm not much of a you know a dark beer drinker, William. But uh, if 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 people want to send me a stout from Goose Island, whether it's for the people from Goose Island or whether it's you, William, if you just want to you know send me a couple of beers, put it in the post and 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 mail it down to me, it'll probably take about three weeks to get here and it'll be blazing hot once it does. But I'll put it in the fridge and it'll be beautiful to drink down after this plane plane run that the Bulls are going to be going on, on obviously. But uh, for those that aren't aware, enough ranting here from me. But I love Goose Island beer. I love it because. Obviously, the beer is great, but the fact that you can go to one of their tap rooms, one of their two locations, whether that's uh, 1800 West Fulton or if you want to go to 1800 North Clybourne, that's the one we went to where I met when I first met William and and uh, Matt uh, in person. If you want to have good beers, being good company, then then rep our guys at Goose Island, our friends there. So uh, I can't endorse these people enough. They, they, the one thing that uh, I do miss or should have or should have done William is I really wanted to get a Goose Island hat whilst we were there. You know, rep the merch of our friends at Goose mm. Island, but I didn't do that. Uh there you go. There you go. Look at that beautiful thing. So I that was my one one regret from Chicago. So again, William, if you wanna if you want to send me some beers, if you want to send me some Goose Island merch, um, you know, that would be great. But next time in Chicago, I want to have an event at Goose Island as well. So if you want to do all that, if you want to get around your friends, if you want to have the, some brews, like I said, head head to their two locations, support CHGO by supporting our fabulous friends at Goose Island Beer Company. Uh, you will not regret it, friends. You will certainly not regret it. Another thing you won't regret. Is after you've downed your beer, you want to download uh, down that Athletic Greens, which William does on a daily basis. Yeah, if you're feeling a little hungover after you're just slamming Matildas, slamming your three one twos, you wake up in the up. morning Mm-mm. and you take your Athletic Greens. I have been taking Athletic Greens for over a year now, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, and I started taking it because I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. I wanted to protect my immune system. We got COVID is making a little spike here. Like try to protect yourself against that. And I've been learning a little bit more about like supplements and, you know, trying to be healthy and and, uh, protect myself against um, sickness and aging and things like that. And what's great about athletic greens is that you're taking all the supplements that you need, but without a million different pills and vitamins, it's all one scoop of 75 high quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and big Dave's favorite, the adaptogens. And they are there to help you start your day, right? It is a special blend of ingredients that supports, like I said, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Everything that you want to do, it is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's Mark K approved. It contains less than a gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, chemicals, artificial flavorings, or anything like that. And it still tastes great. Uh, helps better support sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity, alertness, and just helps you be more focused and alert and energetic throughout the day. And the best part is it all costs less than three bucks a day. 
That's investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So right now it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash bulls to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I think all the micronutrients and all the goodness within our, our uh, the product within the Athletic Greens product, rather, I think that's what's responsible for your quaffness, just generally speaking, William. I think you've been more quaffed since joining CHGO, and there's no coincidence there. I think since you've been downing that Athletic Greens, it's just added some some room and some volume to some the volume, yeah. Yeah. yeah, to to that hair. So, friends. If you want to uh, like improve your hair as well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, athletic, athletic greens don't uh, necessarily agree with what my statement here. I mean, maybe this is a statement just uh, on my behalf, but I just do think there is a correlation here between the uh, the volume, voluminous nature of your hair <laughs> since well, downing the athletic greens. But um, how do I segue out of that into the fact that the play-in is a tax on the middle class and isn't actually a good concept? How do I do that, William? I think I just um, did. I think you just did it, Eric. Sometimes you just have to rip the Band-Aid off. I think you just did it. There we go. Well, it feels like sometimes the plane is a bit of a Band-Aid solution, particularly for this team at the moment. It feels like we're winning, but actually we're kind of not. So you had an interesting story, like I said, up the website, allchdo.com, diving into your thoughts more generally about the the plane situation, whether this is a good thing, whether it's just, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll let you speak to it, I guess. I'll, I'll let you dive into exactly what your feelings are on it. But uh, it's an interesting takeaway. I, people, if you haven't read it, obviously go to the website after this podcast, read it in more detail. But uh, maybe you can explain to those who haven't read it as to what you were trying to, uh, I guess, get across or what your feeling is on the plane, particularly for the middle class of the NBA, which unfortunately the Bulls seemingly always find themselves in. Yeah, and that's exactly why I was interested in this. I think everybody, I was listening to a Zach Lowe podcast the other day, and he basically said, like, nobody thinks that the plane is a bad idea. And I, for the most part, think it's exciting, right? Like, the the games have been really exciting. You remember back to the first one, I think it was, like, Wolves versus Nuggets during the Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler era, and Cat got his first, you know, trip to the playoffs, and that was, like, a really exciting game. And I think that sort of single elimination factor that makes March Madness so great bringing that to the NBA has added a ton of excitement, but at the end of the day, like for to what end? I think it basically my thought here is that like, this is very short-term short-sighted short-term thinking Im- immediate gratification kind of thinking that keeps teams in the middle on this sort of hamster wheel between like the eighth and 12th best teams in the conference. And is that really like, an accomplishment? Is that really where you want to be? I think right now it's a little tricky to just say one for one with the bulls. Cause they didn't have, they, they didn't, they weren't guaranteed the rights of their own draft pick this year, but like the bulls have been in this scenario, like you said, for what seems like forever, basically since Derek Rose got hurt, they have not, they've clearly not been good enough to win, but they've clearly also not been willing or, able to 
do the full on tank. And I know you could say like the rebuild lasted uh, three or four years and they mm-hmm. only ever ended up with the seventh seed, seventh pick, yep. but that's not entirely true because they didn't necessarily follow through with the tank in a way that would have positioned them as a team that could have gotten that first pick. You know, they, they won extra games. They went on a little run when Nikola Miritich came back from getting his face bruised and punched in by Bobby Portis um, before they started really tanking again. Like in order to, to make that work, you have to execute perfectly. And I get why that's a rough thing. It's a scary thing. But to me, like the argument to not do that is that, or the, the argument against that is that it's loser mentality, right? It's, we can't justify to our fans. We can't justify to ourselves and we can't frankly let it happen that we're just losing games on purpose. Like we're too competitive. We can't operate that way as an organization. But to me, like not doing that is loser mentality because you just get stuck in the middle like the bulls are now. And it gives you no options to get out, right? Like at least the teams at the bottom have a chance, like the bulls had a chance to get themselves back into, you know, a legitimate team when they accumulated all the assets they did, they had all their draft picks. They had Wendell Carter and Kobe white and, Larry Markinen, and then they had the fourth pick that turned into Patrick Williams. Like you're in a position where you can make some moves. They did, and it didn't work out, but now they're stuck in the middle again. And it just makes me feel like this idea, this consolation prize of making the playoffs through the play-in is exactly that. It's a consolation prize. And I don't think that the Bulls or any other team should really be aspiring towards it. And when that is your goal, that's how you stay in the middle. And it seems like that's just kind of where the Bulls are headed. So last night's loss um, obviously the, the one against the Hawks, I think that was again, sort of this distraction from the reality, which is that the bulls are either going to be the eighth, ninth or 10th best team in the Eastern conference. And to me, like th- there's this whole thing from the fan base, you know, this is the Chicago bulls. This is like a world-class organization, a world-class market. One of the top three media markets in the league. They had Michael Jordan. They've got this rich history, but it's like, it's not, they, op- they are a middle-class team. That's who they are. That's who they've been. They have been on pace for 37 wins every single season since Michael Jordan retired. And that's pretty much where they're going to end up this year. And that's why it happens because you strive to be in the middle. You end up in the middle. I don't disagree with some of the things that you said, or put another way, I agree with some things that you did say, but I don't think th- the, the plane or the, the invention of the plane isn't the reason that the Bulls are finding themselves in the middle as often as they are. Like, that's not why they're there. I don't think they're striving to be a mid team just because of the plane itself. I think this speaks to everything that's been wrong with this team for the last 25 years, which is things like ownership, which is things like management, the nonsense that we've all, we, we all know the, the, the backstories of, of, of all that. So, playing or not, I think the balls would just be mid based on how they operate and, and the, the the level at which they see themselves or the level at which they want to operate. Like all those things that you said, the fact that they are a global franchise or should be a global franchise, that they are such a huge market. Like those things are true. But the reason why they're so mid isn't because there's the plane to, change, uh, to chase in that instance. The reason why they're so mid is because Jerry Reinsdorf is a mid owner. And that's me being uh, extremely generous. He's not even mid. AK has done a very, very bad job in building this team. Like, okay, they've result. The result of this team is that they're in the tenth seed. They're playing it in. They're playing it out, trying to, uh, you know, get back into the plane. 
but the playing didn't stop them from not doing anything at the deadline. The playing didn't stop them from not using their mid-level exception. The playing didn't stop them from making the Vooch trade or not not doing this or that. Like the playing is a thing that exists, a concept that exists that I think has worked for the NBA that I actually like. But the, the Bulls being so mid, I don't think is the playing's fault. I think it's just the result of them just making mistake after mistake after mistake. And I think the playing could be a good thing assuming you get to get your management and your ownership right, which clearly this team just hasn't done. And I think there will be examples throughout this throughout this season and seasons going forward where teams will use the play-in as a, a situation to sort of bolster who they are as an organization. The Bulls haven't done that, but I don't think that's a, a referendum on the play-in itself. I just think that's more speaks to the fact that the Bulls are so, so, so comfortable being this middle-of-the-road team. And again, that's us being generous. I think they're actually being worse than that. It gives, though, like I think it incentivizes you to be a middle-of-the-road team rather than to try to bottom out and do what the Pacers did or even the Blazers. Like they were going for it and then they took a look in the mirror and said, this is who we are. We have to put ourselves in the best position to get another franchise player. But I think when you have something like the play-in, it incentivizes you to keep going for it, even if you top out at 10 and that's exactly what happened to the bulls. So I think it's kind of like chicken or the egg. And I think both are true, but when you, when you provide some sort of uh, achievement in the middle, I think a lot of teams will go for that. Now, would it be different if a team like the Oklahoma city thunder or the Utah jazz who weren't expected to be anything and just have a bunch of young players and all of a sudden they put it together and make the plan like the Pelicans last year, for example, that's a great plan story. But when you're built around multiple 33-year-olds and this is like this is what you end up with, like I think it's it's much worse when you are in the Bulls position. So I agreed that it's not the entire, it's not like necessarily the problem, but I do think for a certain number of teams, the play-in incentivizes mediocrity. And I don't think the NBA should be supporting that. Instead, what I think they should do is flatten the lottery odds even more. If they want to curb tanking, which I think they should probably do, make it just as easy to get the first overall pick if you make the play-in than if you are the worst team in the league. And that'll give teams a reason to still be competitive without necessarily um, sitting their guys or pulling the plug on Damian Lillard because their teams will still have a chance even if they do try to compete. Like I think that's a more respectable way to go about it by at least continuing to try because the reward could still be there. You're rewarded for trying, even if you fail. Now that could penalize teams like, you know, the, the, the unlucky, like the Rockets, for example, have just not really had any talent. If they continue to get unlucky in the draft, then it's going to be a long time before they can rebuild. But I think you're looking at the same thing with these middle-class teams, which is that like, if they're unwilling to go up or down or they can't go up, but they're unwilling to go down, then they stay where they are too. And is that really good for the league? Is that really good for the fan base? I don't think so. Again, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but ultimately, you know, is it on the NBA to force the situation where, is is it on the NBA to force the balls out of the middle? Like, is it it their responsibility or is it the responsibility of the team? Like beyond the balls, like, is it, is it the NBA's responsibility to ensure that the Wizards don't take pride in, in finishing 11th every season or 9th or whatever it might be? Like, is that on it the NBA? It should be. Like, that's bad oh. for a huge fan base. Like, it I is, think that's but- a that's a bad thing for the NBA to have these teams that just are spinning on the treadmill of mediocrity. 
Well, I, I don't disagree, but I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is like that to me is not the NBA's fault. That is the person who's leading or managing the, the those respective teams. Like there's the NBA isn't forcing the Wizards or Ted Leonsis into being this complete mid organization. Like the NBA is not forcing Jerry Reinsdorf into being what they are. Like the NBA did not force AK to do jack shit at the deadline. Like these things. I feel, I, but it I, allows them to be comfortable with those decisions because they can still say, "Well, we made the play-in. We made the postseason. We gave ourselves a chance to be the eighth seed." Like I, I think by by creating that sort of uh, consolation prize, participation trophy, you are encouraging these lazier teams, these teams that are potentially you know unwilling to spend or whatever it is. You're giving them an out. You're giving them a reason to not do what I think you kind of need to do. And if, again, I like the best way to build a team is obviously through the draft and then the new CBA rules support that just as yeah. well. Like that's where you can, that's the only place where you can really, mm-hmm. you know, attempt to get a franchise changing talent. And so yep. if you make those odds a little bit flatter, you're not de-incent, you're, you're de-incentivizing tanking by providing more competitive landscape without having the penalty of like trying and failing. Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm certainly not against flattening the odds. I think that is a good idea. I think it would be extremely tough to negotiate and put into the league because I think small market teams and those teams truly at the bottom who are you know, for example, if the Lakers miss the the if the Lakers are in the play and they miss the playoffs and they were you know they finish 14th, they're at the end of the lottery, but they they were to jump up and grab the number one pick. Uh, small market teams would be absolutely banging on the door of Adam Silver's office and demanding something. So to go back to how things were in terms of the lottery odds in that sense. But I guess I don't agree in the sense that it is a consolidation prize. Like as an example, like, well, let's use the Bulls as an example. Obviously, this is a Bulls podcast. Let's talk about the Bulls. If the Bulls finish 10th, like they are now, if they go into the playing situation and they lose their first game, effectively lose out, uh, they finish 10th, 11th, 12th, or whatever it might be in the standings. They don't keep their pick because it's, we obviously know it's top four protected. Let's, let's assume it stays at like 11 or 12. They hand that pick over to the Magic. That's not a consolidation prize at all for this team. Like that's, if anything, that just put more puts more onus on all the uh, all the poor, poor decisions that this franchise has made. So in some in some examples, it would be a consolidation prize. Like like for example, if OKC finished 10th and they, they get in a playing game or like the Grizzlies have in years past or Pat Bev when he took the Minnesota Timberwolves just as like he's going to do the Bulls here, take them to the playoffs. Like in those situations, yeah, it's a consolidation prize. But for a team like the Bulls who are going backwards and all they can do is finish 10th in a season where AK said at the start of this season, we need to do better than what we did last season, which was finish six, get to the first round and take a game off the box. If you can't do that and you fall into the, into the, into 10th in the plane, and and I, I would even argue like that's even more of a microscope put on this team that the fact that if they finish 10th, they're losing the plane. They obviously, they're, they're guaranteed to have a losing season because they've got 42 losses at this point. I don't think there's going to be any consolation prizes given to this team at all if if they do finish this season the way we think it's trending at the moment. So uh, that's kind of where I, I guess I disagree with you. And I don't think the plane is a, an incentive for that. I think the heat's going to be amplified even more, to be honest with you. Well, I think the Bulls, if there was if there wasn't the incentive of being able to make the playoffs or the plane, they might have gone towards the bottom when they were seven games below 500. I think the idea is that sure you're giving that. them you're giving them a chance at the postseason, mm-hmm. and that you know whether they win or lose in this play-in game almost doesn't matter. Like they can say 
we made the postseason, or they can say we made the playoffs through through the play-in. So we obviously had success there. And again, this isn't necessarily even about the Bulls' success this year or not. Like I said mm. this last night on our show, I think it's true that like you can acknowledge the fact that the Bulls have played a lot better while also standing firm in the stance that the Bulls need to make some changes. Like those two things are not mutually exclusive. And I think, no. I think both things are true. Like both things are probably going to happen. Um, but if the Bulls are in a position where they realize what their future is and they go towards the bottom to try to protect against that, like, I, I think that's, I think that's a better alternative than losing in a play in a play in tournament or getting swept by the bucks in the first round. That's just me. But I, I think the incentive of even having that option there is what encouraged the bulls to continue on the path that they have chosen. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I certainly understand your perspective, but I just keep coming back to the fact that, all right, if you want to, whether the planes there or not, like if you still wanted to chase the playoffs and, and look, that could have been a case because the, it's not like the eight seed, the Bulls were that far behind the eight seed anyway. So there was still a theoretical chance that they could get eight, even without the play-in. I'm just always going to revert back to this not being an NBA issue. It's just being a team construct issue, a team philosophy issue. Um, and if AK wants to somehow say that, you know, in his postseason wrap-up that they were trying to to make the playoffs, that the playing incentivized them, then that's just the 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 platform for us, for you and I and whoever else that has a voice to say, well, why the hell did you do nothing at the deadline? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? He just opens himself up for, for uh, I guess, criticism. Like that criticism is going to come regardless. But the fact that I, th- I think they're actually that criticism is going to be a lot louder if they do finish 10th and miss the playing in this situation. Whereas if they obviously folded it up at the deadline and, uh, you know, went for a rebuild or a retool at that point, which was our preferred option, you and I, uh, I, I don't think the heat would be as amplified, whereas now I think it's coming for them. So in, in, in some ways, William, I think it's a, it might serve in a, in a good way. But I certainly get your point. I just disagree. A rare disagreement between us. That's uh, that's an interesting... Yeah, point. I mean, I, I think it's both. But I, yeah, I've, I've said... You said I, your piece. I've said my piece both in podcast form and obviously on the website. So obviously you've heard William here. If you haven't read his article, um, obviously jump on to allchdo.com to do so. Uh, but we'll, we'll continue the show. I, w- I want to close out the show talking about nerdy CBA, CBA stuff. Um, I like that stuff. And it, a lot of the changes that have been made will pertain and impact the balls over the coming off seasons. But before we get into this, into that, let's talk about shady rays. So it's getting warmer in Chicago. Uh, summer is approaching and I'm sure all you Chicagoans are just loving the fact that, uh, oh, it's still probably cold. I'm assuming it's cold. There's the dingo. He looks a little bit cold at the moment, but when the summer comes through, that dingo is going to want to throw on some shade. So Lawrence, can you, can you, can you do some production work and put some glasses, some shady raised glasses on that dingo? Cause that dingo is going to need the sun out of his eyes. And what better way to remove that sun, remove that glare than to, to partner with our friends at shady rays. We've got you covered for the warm weather. So if you're interested in premium polarized shades and an affordable price, you have to head to shady rays friends. Shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as your any expensive sunglasses. I've never understood why people pay for exp- expensive sunglasses. Like they're so prone to breaking. They're so prone to being lost. Why would you pay like several hundreds of dollars, sometimes 
you know, just absolutely ridiculous prices for sunglasses. When when people like Shady Rays exist, we can get just a fantastic product at a great price. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like this, this is the company that I would be be using if, if uh, I were to wear sunglasses in the in the summer. Do you wear sunglasses, William? You obviously wear glasses, but are you a sunglasses man? I got my Shady Rays right behind me. There you go. There you go, people. Shady Rays. And look, and, and as, as, as I noted there before, like the reason I would never pay for an expensive pair of glasses is because you could break them, but more, maybe not more importantly, but you're just prone to losing these things. And this is another great thing with Shady Rays. Like every pair of sunglasses that you buy, it's backed by their lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break a pair, even on day one, literally if you walk out of the store and you break those sunglasses because you're an absolute dope who can't put them on your head and somehow, somehow they fall and you step on them and you break them, our friends at Shady Rays will uh, will hook you up with a brand new pair, no questions asked. That's why we really love Shady Rays. So, uh, if you are obviously a listener of CHGO, we appreciate you supporting our our partners, all our friends um, that we partner with, and obviously Shady Rays is a big one that we uh, like to endorse. So, if you want to get the the best deal of the season, particularly as we're heading into the warmer warmer months, go to shadyrays.com and use promo code CHGO, and by doing so you will receive 50% off uh, the two-plus pairs that you, you buy. So uh, if you want to try this out, uh, and why the hell would you not? Because uh, there's been over 250,000 people have given Shady Rays a five-star review online. So, I mean, I'm endorsing it. William's clearly endorsing it. He's got a pair. But over, over well, a quarter of a million people are saying this is a five-star product. And with that particular uh, offer on, on deck, use promo code CHGO, friends, and uh, get yourself a nice pair of sunnies as we head into the warmer months. Why would you not? Mark? Yeah. Let's talk about ComEd. Let's do it. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. That, that is so good. And the fact that another thing that I love, William, like the Comet offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, to industrial, to public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. So um, if you're interested in that, Comet offers uh, free facility assessments that can give and help you find free, uh, help you find energy saving opportunities like anything that's related to your HVAC systems, to your commercial kitchen equipment or any industrial process. Hey, Mark. How does it yeah. work? Well, let me tell you how it works, William. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or they can be happening virtually and they last approximately for two hours. So within three to four weeks, you, uh, customers will receive a, a detailed report that basically lists out all your energy efficiency opportunities or projects that you can start working on immediately. So each recommend, recommendation will come with a list of energy saving options the cost savings that it can be attributed to that, um, the project cost of, this, of, of, the, of the project itself, the potential incentives, and any simple payback systems that are included with that project. So if you own a business, friends, um, why would you not be using Comet? I don't know about what the, what the situation is in, in Chicago, but pricing for like electricity here in Australia is just, just ridiculous. Uh, I would love to be able to use Comed. So if you wanted to get started saving money and energy today, please do so, friends. So for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or schedules to, or to schedule your free assist, a free assist, uh, facility assessment, go to comedcom powering biz. That's comed.com slash 
powering biz. It is. That is. So do it. Comhead.com slash powering biz. Schedule it today, friends. What a, what a great read. Oh, there's, there's the tinker with the shady race. The shady race. Look at that fella. He's, he's looking smart. Like he... Now you got to get a Comet energy efficiency program document in his paw. <laughs> Put another one there for, uh, for Lawrence to do. But look at this scoop of athletic just greens. Looks... <laughs> I just can't believe I'm doing this right now. <laughs> uh, I, neither, neither can I, to be honest uh, with you, but it's I great. Mean, you know, we didn't need the boring lottery graphics I made. I, I, instead, I'm just doing the putting the dingo with sunglasses on. I mean, what are we doing? This is, uh, this is good stuff. No, I, like, I appreciate it. And look, if, if that dingo is capable enough to put on a pair of shady rays, then surely everyone tuning in can do so. And like I said, great offer using the promo code CHGO. And if that dingo were to lose his uh, pair of shady rays, he'd get them back. And friends, if you're loving these ad reads, if you're loving the production value of this uh, of CHGO, then give us a like, why don't you? Come on, do it, do it on your way out. If you're watching, give us a like. If you're listening, five-star review, reviews on Apple, Spotify, all of them. Do it for the dingo. Do it for the dingo. But uh, let's close out the Do show. For the dingo. <laughs> Do it for the dingo. Put that on a t-shirt. But let's close out the show talking about the CBA and the changes that uh, the NBA and the Players Association came to an agreement basically a week ago. There's going to be uh, a whole bunch of changes, and uh, which is good. They've obviously come to an agreement on a new CBA, which is good for a number of different reasons, for all the reasons we're going to touch on. But the, the main important thing is, is there's no work stoppages. So we're not going to lose any any uh, any basketball in that sense. So that's cool from just that pure perspective. But there's a lot of changes that are, that are happening in the CBA. Dave and Matt hit on a few the other day, but there's a lot more to go through. And to be fair, we're going to be learning a lot more over the coming weeks and months as well. Whilst we've got dribs and drabs here, whilst we've learned a few little things, there's still a lot we don't necessarily know in terms of how it's actually going to be applied, when it's going to be applied, um, those sorts of things. So uh, there's still a lot to learn. So I, w- I wanted to preface that. And, and I say that because when the news was coming out, there were certain things that really concerned me, like the, the ability of the players to uh, you know, invest in teams or become owners of teams, to, to invest in gambling companies. And like, when that news initially dropped, I was like, what the hell? This sounds extremely problematic and there's certainly going to be a conflict of interest. But then as we learned more that they're not necessarily – uh, it's not like you know Zach's going to go up to Jerry and say, "Give me five percent of the team" or something like that. The structure of how it's actually going to work is a little bit different. So I guess the point here is, there's, we're going to learn more in time. So whilst our view on it is based on what we know today, uh, things can change tomorrow. But William, I wanted to talk about the changes that I think are most relevant to the Bulls themselves. Uh, there's 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 a few to get through, so let's try to whip through them as quick as possible. But the one that I think is most interesting and I'm assuming will come in first is the fact that there's going to be an increase in revenue streams. Um, the players will now have access to apply BRI, basketball-related income, to things like licensing revenue and those sorts of things. So that will likely increase the salary cap. And we already know based on the TV deal that that the salary cap's increasing. There will be a new TV deal coming as well in, in the next couple of years, which is going to increase the salary cap even more so why this is interesting to me is uh, people like to talk about Zach Levine's contract and how bad it is and these sorts of things. Well, friends, the salary cap is going up. Zach Levine's contract is staying stagnant. Um, his deal is going to be looking very good very soon. But more generally, it just gives the team more cap space to, or potentially a higher salary cap to 
I guess, reinvent or change their roster. So that's that's an interesting and appealing uh, aspect to the, the changes that have been floated. Yeah, and the other thing about that is that there will be, there's reports that it'll be smoothing. So basically, you know, you're going to avoid this situation that the, what was it, 2017 summer when Timofey Mozgov made 72 million and Luol Deng signed with the Lakers for 80 million and Joakim got 90 million from the Knicks. And then the next summer, like everything was back to normal. So to your point about Zach Levine's contract, I think this is really important because there will be a steady increase, 10% roughly each year where the cap gets bigger. And so by the time, you know, 2026, 27 runs rolls around when Zach's due for 49 million bucks a year right now, that would be 31 and a half percent of the cap. Then it could be 25% or even less. Um, mm. And that obviously gives the Bulls a lot more room to work with around the fringes. Uh, they'll have a completely different roster at that point anyway, but there's just a lot more additional, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, additional options that they'll have to bring in other talent when Zach Levine's not taking up, you know, a third of your cap sheet. So I think that's a big one. And um, like you said, the RSNs will be coming in, I think in 2025, that's the regional sports network TV deals, and that will bump up the cap again. So that could be looking even smaller. And yeah. obviously like, you know, with the exception of the COVID year, the money has gone up for the most part every single season. So right now Zach's contract is 30% of the cap, but that will go down. Uh, like for example, next year, it's a little bit less than 30. So that will, that will adjust. But I think with this new um, smoothing and with the new TV deals that will look even smaller. Yeah, we're going to get to a point where a Zach equivalent max contract of thirty percent, thirty percent max, which is what Zach signed. You know, if you're in if if you're in between years seven and nine of of your experience in the NBA, that's what you can effectively sign, unless unless you qualify for the super max, you can get access to the thirty five percent a little bit sooner, which obviously Zach didn't. But, but there's going to be a time in the coming years where uh, the Zach equivalent max deal is going to be like five years, two eighty. 290 maybe even 300 something obscene like that so we've just got to get used to these numbers just getting completely ridiculous and maybe the numbers have just grown at such a rate at like at a faster rate than our ability to actually process the amount of dollars these guys are getting but it's not just like that they're receiving more or that they've got more of the pie like the pie the cut that they get is still exactly the same it's just more money coming into the league essentially so uh, and i think that's that's a good good thing to hit on there because everybody was kind of i don't know if applauding is the right word but noting the Mm. fact that zach got the first hundred million dollar contract for any jerry reinsdorf team this past summer and like that is true but also reinsdorf is making a whole hell of a lot more money because He's mm-hmm. getting a lot more money as the league grows. Exactly. Um, so uh, it's all, it's all, you know, a percentage of, you know, it's, it's perspective and it's uh, you know, how everything else grows with those contracts. So yes, those contracts will look huge. Like the MLE is going to grow from, mm-hmm. I, I think like seven and a half percent this year. So now yeah. you're looking at, you know, the, what you could have gotten. Uh, I think Caruso was an MLE, MLE player last year. That was 9.5 million next year. It's going to be, what, like 12 or 13. So yeah. the the value of a player you can get goes up, but also that's the same around the league. So that's just sort of like the cost and, and the guys you have under contract, those start to look like more steals of contracts because, you know, the rest of the money around the league is going up around them. 
Definitely. And another one that's going to impact the balls potentially as soon as this offseason, depending when they implement this rule, but restricted free agency, there's been a change there whereby previously teams had 48 hours to match a, a contract that was given to a restricted free agent, assuming they let a restricted free agent go out and, and sign a contract with an opposing team. Now you've only got 24 hours. So why is that relevant for the balls? Well, Kobe White is a restricted free agent this offseason. So assuming this new rule is implemented this offseason, then instead of 48 hours to match a deal, then the Bulls have 28, uh, sorry, 24 hours to potentially match or organize a trade or you lose the dude for nothing, essentially. So that's a good, I think that's a good development because restricted free agency is probably the thing I have the most problem with in terms of the CBA more generally. Like there's not a lot of control or ability for these guys to maneuver themselves. So I like the fact that they've reduced that, but that is certainly one um, that will be impacting the Bulls. Uh, I don't know if this will necessarily just because this, this next one I'm going to speak about because I don't know when it will be applied, but we know someone like Vooch, for example, is eligible for a contract extension. He can sign a contract extension with the Bulls up until June 30. At the moment, the Bulls can only offer him a deal that's 100, 120% more than what his current deal is. But going forward, Veterans who want to sign in contract extensions with their, their current teams, they'll actually be able to sign extensions for 140%. So they basically get a 20% bump in that sense. So I don't know if that's going to necessarily be applicable to Vooch this time around, but it is something for teams more generally to, uh, to I guess it's another leave of them to retain the guys that they actually want to keep and keep them away from free agency. So I don't know if it's going to impact Vooch and the balls at the moment, but I guess using that as an example, maybe in future years it, it, it will. That's a really interesting one. Obviously, that affects guys like Jalen Brown, DeJounte Murray. It's the same thing that happened with Zach Levine last year where he basically opted to let his contract expire with the Bulls because he was more he was able to make more money signing as a free agent than he would have been extending with his team. And I think a lot of what this new CBA aims to do is allow teams to keep their guys. And um, I, I think that's a really important thing. Like, you want to be able to build through the draft. It and a lot of these rules make the value of draft picks that much more important. So um, like you said, I'm not exactly sure when all this stuff will start. I think, you know, they were talking about the, the midseason tournament could start as early as next year with the minimum of mm-hmm. 65 games for voting awards. Yeah. Um, but stuff like this new second tax apron, which I find yeah. to be really interesting. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that will be next year. And you may say, well, it's a luxury tax. It's the bulls. It doesn't apply, but yeah. actually I think it, it could, because, you know, a lot of, of what I've heard about this is that the penalty for going into the luxury tax won't be as much, meaning you still could get some of that money back from other teams that go into the second luxury tax apron or the, um, beyond that first luxury tax. Uh, you could still be getting back some of that money. You won't be penalized dollar 50 for every dollar that you spend over the tax. Um, and that could incentivize teams like the Bulls to go into the tax. Maybe they'll still avoid the second apron, but you know, do a little bit more to try to improve your team around the fringes because the penalties won't be as severe. So I think that actually could encourage teams like the Bulls or the Wizards or you know wh- whoever it is to go into the tax when in previous seasons they may not have. 
So I disagree. <laughs> I, not, not with your premise more generally, but how it pertains to the Bulls. I don't think there's going to be any situation where they go into the tax. But what this does do is by introducing, and this is why I put it in the rundown, why I think it's fascinating as it relates to the Bulls. Now that there are two, th- uh, two thresholds or two aprons, assuming a team were to cross that second apron, this is the thing, this is how they're going to be impacted. So these teams won't have access to their, their taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, so a team like the Bucks, for example, can't go out and, and, and use that exception on someone like Joe Ingles. There's been other examples as well like where they can't use that exception. So that's going to be taken away from these these high-paying teams. Those teams as well won't be able to trade multiple you know, first-round picks that are seven years down, like, down the road. So ex- as an example, like the Suns, they traded all those picks for Kevin Durant. They won't be able to do that going forward, assuming that they're above the second. You'll be able threshold. to trade six years out, but not seven. So that limits exactly. the amount of picks you can send from four to three. Yep. And again, these teams won't be able to sign, you know, free agents on the buyout market. Again, a team like the Suns won't be able to go and grab a Terrence Ross, for example. That's another another you know advantage that will be taken away from these teams that are spending so much. They won't also be able to send cash out in trades and they won't be able to take more money back in trades as well. So essentially, there's been a lot of curb in or the, 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 a lot of attempts to curb the spending or not maybe not the spending, but the the the, the amount of uh, availabilities or avenues or instruments these teams to have to to continue to to uh, add to their team. So why is this relevant to the Bulls? Well. They can pretty much just do as what they're doing right now, which is pretty much nothing. But a lot of these teams that are actually out there trying and get penalized, not going to be able to use all these instruments to improve their team, which will potentially bring them back towards that middle class that we spoke about before. So in some ways, the balls will be a winner just by doing what they're continuously doing, which is not a lot. But ultimately, the teams that are trying to do a lot are going to get penalized, which will potentially bring them back to the field a little bit. So I did think, I did find that quite interesting, actually. The Bulls could potentially do nothing and um, make some way in that sense. But They uh, could, but we'll see, I we'll think see. my point is that I think they will avoid the second apron like the plague, the way that they have avoided the luxury yeah. tax to this point. But I don't think the penalty of going into the luxury tax but staying before but not spending up to the second apron, those penalties won't be as severe. So they could do that, um, not necessarily a guarantee, but I think... Basically, this whole idea is to um, limit the additional power that a team has just by virtue of the fact that their owners are willing to spend whatever. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have all listened to the Bobby Marks and Woj and Zach Lowe podcast at this point, but teams like the Clippers and the Warriors won't have this just insurmountable competitive advantage because they're willing to spend more. And that could make teams like the Bulls more competitive, relatively speaking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It but uh, look, there's a, there's a whole there's a whole more that uh, I would want to get into, but I know we're running long here, so maybe let's let's call it here. Uh, but yeah, I, I these changes are fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see how it impacts the team. But coming back to what we said before, like ultimately, whatever CBA changes are made, whatever instruments are available for you you and your team to use, like there's going to be new, more uh, new uh, exceptions that are going to be introduced. This team has classically just <laughs> hasn't used all their exceptions, so. Despite what changes have been made, we'll see how it actually impacts this team, and ultimately, it depends on what's uh, what ownership and management want to do, which is seemingly always the case for our beloved Chicago Bulls. But let's call it there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, whether you are on YouTube, if you are on YouTube, hit the like button on the way out. Friends, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be, five star reviews. Support our friends that um, support us, Goose Island, Shady Rays. 
ComEd, all our fun fr- and fine friends that support CHGO, uh, <laughs> Lawrence and his dingoes, the multiple dingoes who uh, have appeared on the show. We, we appreciate you. William also got the dingoes around him as well. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. You can follow Will and all, all his writing at will underscore Gottlieb. Obviously, jump on the website to read his stuff, allchgo.com. If you want to get – have you hit 10K yet? We're trying to get Will to 10K on Twitter. So uh, let's, let's do friends. If you're not – 99 away. If you're, not, if you're not following the GOAT, what are you doing? Sort it out. Get him to 10K. Um, if you want to follow me too, why the hell would you want to? But in, in the event that you do, at MK Hoops, you can follow us at CHGO underscore balls. But uh, thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. Thanks again to uh, the Shady Ray Dingoes. But uh, we'll be back at some point next week for a HQ edition. But nonetheless, the guys will be back for post-game tomorrow to take you through Bulls and the Mavericks. But uh, William, thank you. Lawrence, thank you again, everyone. Appreciate you. Speak soon, Bulls fans.